I'm excited to, to speak about what God has in our heart. We're continuing our sermon series that is titled Hearing God's Voice. And last week, my brother spoke on, um, on, on how to hear God speak, and he reminded us four ways that we can hear God speak. First, cultivating an open mind and an open heart. Make time to hear God. Eliminate distractions and partner with what God says. And on the back of that, I want you to do these four things right now. First, cultivate an open mind as you listen to the word and an open heart. You're already making time to hear God by being here in the service. I want you to eliminate distractions. Remove anything that is going on in your mind right now that may keep you from really fully being engaged with the word. And I want you to finally partner with what God says and what God has to speak to your heart. Amen, church? Today, the, the, the sermon title is How God Speaks to Us, part two of four of this sermon series. And we're really going to go and, and dig down into four common ways that God speaks to us. One of the scandalous and most uh, differentiating things of, of the gospel is that God is actively speaking to his people. That the God who is involved in creation, he's actively involved in the lives of his people. And I don't know where you are with that. I don't know how that sits in your heart. I don't know if you maybe don't even fully believe that or you haven't fully experienced that, but that is a truth of the gospel, that God speaks to his people. That God is not a mystical force that is out there, you know, uh, you know far away, distant, but he is actively engaged. He is interested in your life. He wants relationship with you. That is the person of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate message of Jesus Christ, that God does not give up on having relationship with his people. God wants relationship with you, and God ultimately wants to communicate with you. He wants to have dialogue with you. He speaks to you. And throughout scripture, we see so many different ways of how God actually speaks. He speaks through visions. He speaks through dreams. At one point, he spoke through an, a bush that was, that, was, that was on fire but wasn't being consumed. At one point, he actually uses a donkey to speak, which is strange um, but interesting. Uh, and one, maybe one day that can happen, right? One of the crazy things like blind people seeing, maybe a dog, maybe your pet one day can speak to you and rebuke you in Jesus' name. But God has these weird sort of, you know, non, like sort of outlier ways of speaking. But then there are four common ways that he also speaks. And I wanted to discuss and, and really focus on the common ways that he speaks, but not, but really honing in the fact that it's not a restrictive list. God is a creative God, and he will use any means to get your attention. Amen, church? He will use any means to get your attention. And so, so maybe there are some of you that doesn't sit well, and maybe you're in a season where you feel like God is silent, where you feel like you're crying out to God, and God is not really listening to you. Maybe like Job, in, in, chapter, th in chapter 30, verse 20, you're like, I cry to you for help, and you don't answer me. I stand, and, only, and you only look at me. Maybe like King David in Psalm 22, you're like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. And by night, but I find no rest. Maybe that is a season that you're living right now. And I want to encourage you through this word 
that God, even in a season of silence, of waiting, of confusion, of pain, of suffering, God is still speaking. God is actively engaging in dialogue with you. Can I encourage you to say that God, even in a season of silence and waiting and confusion and hurt and grief, God is still speaking. And so let's dive right in. Four common ways that God speaks to us. Job 33 verse 14, you can put it up. It says, for God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. God is always speaking. What differentiates us is whether we're listening. First point, God speaks through his words. God speaks through scripture. You can put the next slide up. God speaks through scripture. Man literally sitting three feet away from the Bible asks God to speak to him. I got some some laughs. I've done my part here. But scripture is one of the primary ways that God speaks his message to us. And the Bible is just an incredible word. It's an incredible book. And and if you're a skeptic like me, you may have doubts sometimes of whether it really is this word of God, right? And that's okay if that's where you're at. But hopefully as as we talk and as we discuss this primary way that God speaks to us, God will illuminate your heart and show you that Scripture is, in fact, God's Word. Charles Spurgeon said, No one outgrows the Scriptures. The book widens and it deepens with our years. A.W. Tozer said, The Bible is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. God wants to speak to us today and every day through his word. God's word is always now speaking. The Bible is an amazing book. It contains 66 separate books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It's written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It's it's written over a period of more than a thousand years by more than 40 authors of varying ages and backgrounds who wrote on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. But scripture makes it clear that the Bible is breathed by God. What does that mean? The Bible is written by human authors, but inspired by God. See, if you struggle with this, then then I'll tell you something. You're going to struggle with a lot of what the gospel has to say. If you struggle with the fact that God can use human authors to write his word, I have good news for you. God is still doing that today. One of the scandalous claims of scripture is that imperfect people can be used to bring the divine kingdom on earth. In the Old Testament, God chooses a people, a corrupt, crappy, terrible people, the people of Israel, to be a light unto the nations. The same way he used a crappy, corrupt people, he trusts us in the New Testament. In the New Testament, 
Jesus goes and chooses 12 disciples. If you look at who these disciples are, if you look at their resumes, their track record, you're like, these are the people that God is choosing, that Jesus is choosing to start a Jesus movement throughout all the entire world. People with no real education for the most part, tax collectors, sinners, fishermen, common folk, laymen. And these are the people that God uses, that Jesus uses to preach his word up until all of the nations, across continents. And the reason why we are sitting here today is because God entrusted those people, flawed as they were, to speak his word. Amen, church. And so the scandalous claim of Scripture is that he is doing this today. God is still using people. God chooses and uses us to speak his word to other people. And so if you're struggling with the idea that Scripture can be used by God, that Scripture is actually inspired by God, then you're going to struggle with the gospel. Then you're going to struggle with the person of Jesus Christ. And you're going to struggle with the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive and well here and He lives and abides in you and wants to use you to preach the gospel to other people who will never touch the Bible. Amen? Are you with me? Scripture is an essential way that God speaks to us. Why? Four reasons. First, because it is divinely inspired. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Scripture is divinely inspired. Second, Scripture provides a foundation for our beliefs. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. If you're feeling challenged by what you read in Scripture, rest assured that God is actually speaking to you in that moment. He is challenging your way of thinking. And that in of itself shows that He is speaking to you. Third point Scripture is God's love letter to man. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Scripture was written for us. Scripture was written for us that we might know the good news of Jesus Christ, that we might know that God is a personable, relatable, awesome being and that He loves us. Scripture was written for us. And then fourth point the reason why Scripture is so foundational is because it points to Jesus Christ. John 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And who is that word? Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible is the indispensable, is, sorry, is indispensable to the Christian life because it points to Jesus Christ. Without the written word, we simply could not know the incarnate word, but... Without the incarnate word, there is no written word. Are you with me, church? Am I going too fast? No? Okay. 
Yes. One person said yes. But maybe just take notes and then allow your, yourself to process through this later on. <laughs> um, but really, the, the foundational point here is that the reason why the, the Word of God, Scripture, is divinely inspired is because of the events that it is talking about. It is because it points to a, a foundational person that is, you know, the, the most important person of all of history. It points to Jesus Christ. Andy Stanley says it like this, is, I continue to insist that the foundation of our faith is not an inspired book, but rather the events that inspired the book. Right? Events that inspired writers born along by the Holy Spirit to document conversations, insights, events, the pivotal event being the resurrection. The Bible did not create Christianity. Christianity is the reason the Bible was created. Let that help you if you struggle with this understanding that the Bible, it's not this magical oracle that if you leave open on your shelf at home, there's a mystical you know, aura of positivity that will grant you wishes. No. It's the events that inspired people who were so shocked by those events, who were so profoundly moved by Jesus Christ, the written, the incarnate word, the word that became flesh, they were so transformed by this reality that they had to write it down, and, and thankfully they wrote it down because we today now read it and we can point to Jesus Christ. Amen, church. And we know the realities that, are th- that, that happened because people took their time to write these things down. It's not, it doesn't have to be as mystical. It's very practical. Two examples that I'll give you. When I look at my life, I realize that God speaks profoundly through Scripture. I might give you three examples. But let's start with first. A while back, I was dealing with a lot of questions, a lot of questions of why God does this things a certain way. I was going through a season where I felt like I was seeking God, but God was not answering me. I felt like I was asking God for clarity, for direction, for his purpose, for his will over my life, and God was not granting it to me. And God gave me a passage in scripture that to this day still marks me, which is Job, 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 Job 23. And it starts with, where is God? And I'm not going to read it, but line after line, Job is wrestling. He's going through the exact phase that I was going through. And, and through reading that, when I threw the book down and I saw Job 23 and I read it, and Job is struggling with this, God gave me a sense of peace. God spoke to me. And he said, I'm with you. I know what you're going through. I did not forsake you. My mom also has an incredible example of when God used scripture to speak to her. When I was five years old in 1995, my parents were struggling and, with, and were um, contemplating moving here to the United States from Brazil. God had given my dad a direction. This church, which was you know, at the time in Jamaica, Queens, uh, invited him to pastor this church, a Brazilian congregation at the time. Uh, pastor it here, and we were going from a thriving church of around 400 to 500 members in our local city 
And my mom was struggling with this, asking God for clear direction of what she should do, what we should do. Is this God's will for our life? And God brought her very clearly, very vividly to Deuteronomy 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 9, but I'm only going to focus on 7. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations. God promised that he would give us a land that we were to possess. Verse 6 on says, For you are people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And he did not set this affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. You were the fewest of all peoples, actually, but it was because the Lord loved you and he kept the oath that he swore to you, to your ancestors, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God and he is the faithful God. Keep his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. When we want direction for our life, when we want answers to our life, when we want God to speak to us, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through Scripture, church. And, and, and I'm telling you because I have countless examples where God has, has illuminated Scripture before me and, and something I was going through just suddenly made all the sense in the world. God uses Scripture to speak to His people. Another example that my mom had, just the last one, my mom was praying over my brother at the time, the same time that we, we were contemplating moving to the United States. My brother had a bad case of bronchitis, right? And he had struggled. He often had periods, long periods, where he struggled to breathe, where he couldn't, you know, where he had to wear the mask and, and all of the symptoms that come with bronchitis. And, and my mom was praying over that, asking God for direction. How was this going to be impacted? You know, how is this move going to impact him and his life? And, and God brings her to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 15, says, The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. God clearly granted this direction. And my brother, since moving to the United States, had not had any serious case of bronchitis at all. Nothing. And I know bronchitis is serious because a friend of mine, his cousin, just died a couple weeks back, back from bronchitis. God speaks through his word, church. If you have doubts about that, great, that's fine. I've had my doubts. But then just pick up the word and start reading it. Just pick it up and see if God will not transform the way that you think. Transform your skepticism. Start with simpler versions so you can maybe understand it more clearly. Start with the New Testament. But start reading it today and test if God doesn't speak to you profoundly through his written word. Amen, church. Second way God speaks to, to us is God speaks through the right people. God speaks through the right people. And I put the right people just because I didn't want to say all people because, you know, it's not necessarily all people. But he can use all people to speak to us. But it's the spirit-filled people that have just words of encouragement, that just have words of like, boom, hits your heart. First Corinthians says, this is what we speak. <clears throat> 
not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Ephesians says his intent was that now through the church the manifold, manifold wisdom of God should be made known. The church is God's people and God wants to speak through his church. God speaks through people. Today, the same way he did back then. Proverbs 11.9 With his talk, a godless person can ruin his neighbor, but righteous people are rescued by knowledge. God speaks to us through other people. That's why it's so important for us to be in a community of faith, a church, a community of spirit-filled people. Because God uses those people to speak truth and encouragement into our lives. How many times have I been in situations where I doubted myself, where I doubted my calling, I doubted what God had for me, and God would use my wife to speak an encouraging word over me. God would use pastors, God would use my, my fellow brothers and sisters to just encourage me in that way. So many examples of this. One such example is my, and I'll, and I'll say it because it's important. Um, my wife, when she was struggling with uh, the idea of getting married to me, like, you know, like she needed any more, you know, clear direction. I mean, look at me. Um, but uh, she had made a commitment before God after she broke up with her, you know, previous boyfriend whose name will not be mentioned um we don't speak of him again um but she broke up with him and then she was saying that the next person i want to date has to be my husband this is a commitment that she made before god and in i walk strapping young man dropping buckets all day Tall, you know, basically like the list of everything that she was looking for in a, in a guy. Can I, can I say that? Yeah, it's true. Amen. Amen. Um, but then she was still like making sure like she was still in, we were in a period of prayer to, to actually, you know, have some discernment over our relationship and God, um, and she asked God, give me a clear direction whether or not this person is who you have for me. I want it to be clear. She was upstairs, it was lunchtime, she was walking by one of the most spirit-filled people that I have ever met, someone we call Vajirsi. She is, like, if you want, if you want to put this into practice, have a five to ten minute conversation with Vajirsi. She is spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit is inside this woman, and she will speak truth into your life. Any opportunity that you have, just have a conversation with her. And my wife was passing by her. She was just going to greet her, say hi. But you see, gets her hand. And my mom, and you know, if you have ever spoken to her, when, when she grabs your hand, you're like, oh, it's going down. Something's going down. <laughs> She's got this firm grip. My mom happened to be passing by. She grabs my mom's hand as well. Uh-oh. And I'm there like, yeah, but you see, do their thing, you know. <laughs> She grabs my mom's hand and she just just ministers over my wife's life. She's speaking over her, saying that the man that she marries was going to be very blessed. And that is true. 
that her marriage is going to be a blessing and ministering a word of encouragement and word after word of encouragement to her. And my wife says that that is one of the most clear <laughs> signs that God gave her that, you know, um, he was doing his thing through, through our life and, and this was his will. So I encourage you. There are so many examples. There are examples that, that God has used me in other people's lives. I remember um, one Camp Alive, a, a retreat that we had. I had it in my heart and it was burning in my heart to, to hug someone, hug one person, one guy, a young guy, someone that I love dearly. And God, God just said, like, just go hug him. And I, and I remember hugging him and I prayed over him. And he said at the time, like, I didn't even hear what you were praying. I, you know, and I, I'll be honest, like, when I pray over people, I don't really have, like, this great discernment of, of thing. I just kind of generically pray, like, God bless them. God, you know, grant, like, you know, the, the generic prayer that, that, you, that, you know, some of us just, you know, pray. Hi, yeah, yeah. I wish I could say, like, no, God gave me clearly, like, this guy's life is going to be. No, no, no. God just said, hug him and pray for him. That's all I did. I obeyed. And this young man, later on, when he gave his testimony, he said that God gave him visions of things. God gave him a vision, a crazy vision. And that moment was one of the most remarkable moments he had ever experienced. And that he felt the Holy Spirit in a way that he had never experienced before. And that he had an experience with Jesus Christ, like unlike an experience, any experience that he had before. And why do I say this? And, and he's here today with Sam. Man, God has an anointing over your life, bro. Like, I love you so much. And I just wanted to speak that word of encouragement to you because God has an anointing over your life, man. God wants to use you. God has a calling over you. And, and, and don't let any situation that you're going through steer you away from this calling. He, this guy is, is on point. God, God loves him so much. God it will use him. God has a special anointing and calling over his life. I'm sorry I called you out in public, but I actually wrote that in my notes, so there you go. Um, but this guy is a man of God, and, and my point in saying all this is God, the same way that he has used broken people in the past to write his word, he's used broken people today, like me, like you, to speak his word to other people. I believe right now that as I'm speaking, God has something that he's saying into your heart. And it's not because of me or because of the environment. It's because the Holy Spirit is alive and present here. And he is somehow translating the words that I'm mumbling out. And he's translating in a way that it hits your heart. And there are aspects of what I'm saying that, that hit home with you. As long as you cultivate an open heart, an open mind, and you partner with his word. And so God speaks through people. Amen, church? Third point. God speaks through our conscience. This is a good one. Have you ever had an idea that just randomly pops into your mind? God places ideas directly in our minds. He can give you an impression, a sensation, a moment of inspiration, a feeling, an emotion a sense of certainty and conviction that you're like, where is this certainty and conviction coming from? Over something that doesn't really make much sense. God can speak directly to us through our conscience. 
through impressions, through feelings, through emotions that he, give us, he gives us. Do you believe this, church? Again, my example. <laughs> I like to use examples because they really um, hit home. Um, same, same way that my, my wife needed some sort of direction and clarity over and certainty that, you know, um, I was the man for her. I was also going through a phrase of asking God, like, and telling God the next girl at the time that I date is going to be my wife, and and I I made that conviction over God, and I and I said that and I prayed that over my life, and I remember that as I was talking to her, it, and I can't explain why I was so certain of it, but I was I just had this conviction, this certainty that she's the one. And it's not because, uh, you know, a spirit-filled person prayed over my life and, and grant me, granted me that direction. It was a work of the Holy Spirit who just gave me that conviction. He just gave it to me. And, I, and, and, and that may seem strange to you, but that's not my problem. I'll tell you that that's what it was. And to me, it was like, it seemed obvious, you know, like Andy Mino, you know, says like about his wife, she's fly, loves God, she's got a good ma. Boy, that's a layup. And that's what I felt. She's fly. She loves God. Her mother's great. Easy. Layup. Layup. Will misses some layups. I made that layup. (laughs) It's a conviction that I had that I can't explain. I can't explain it. But it's a conviction that I believe the Holy Spirit put in my heart. Why? Because in John 14, 26, 26, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have ever told you. It is the Holy Spirit that grants us direction and convictions in in our life. It is the Holy Spirit that grants us conviction in these things. But can I just tell you that don't just, like, there needs to be a testing process too. Don't believe every conviction and impression that you have, every emotion that you have. And so I wanted to quickly go through seven or six tests that you can go through if you believe, if you want to make sure that a feeling, an emotion, an impression, a sensation that you have is from God. How do we test it? First, does it agree with the Bible? God's truth is consistent always. Galatians says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So it has to agree with written, written scripture. Second, does it make me more like Jesus? Second Corinthians says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Third, are there other people who can confirm what I believe God is saying to me? Proverbs says, when there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Ephesians says, we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Meaning, is God giving me a conviction and impression of something that I need to do? And it's for me. If God is calling you to lead worship and you have no singing voice, then maybe... God is not actually calling you to lead worship. (laughs) Facts, B. Five, and this is the important one. Is it convicting or is it condemning? That's so good. 
Convicting exposes what's wrong and motivates us to change for the better, but condemning attacks our value. If what we're receiving is condemning, saying I'm worthless, I'm not good enough, that's not from God, that is Satan. It's not God convicting you of something, it's Satan condemning your worth, and you are of infinite worth before Christ Jesus. Three scriptures, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those who I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict them and discipline them. So be earnest and repent, changing your mind and attitude and revelations. And Satan is the one that accuses the believers. It is not God. So is it convicting or is it condemning? And finally, do I sense God's peace? Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Does what you're receiving grant you peace from God? Amen, church. Just to recap, God speaks through his word, God speaks through the right people, and God speaks through our conscience. Last point as the band comes up. God speaks through pain. God can use pain and suffering to get your attention. Proverbs 20 says, Blows and wounds and wounds scrub away evil. Beatings purge the inmost being. Psalms 119 says, Before I was affl- afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Why is water so much more refreshing when we're really thirsty? Why does deprivation, adversity, scarcity, and suffering often produce the best character traits, while prosperity, ease, and abundance often produce the worst? Are you with me? Did you, did you grasp that? It is often when I am feeling most discomfort, most weak, that he is made strong. It is when I need him the most that he manifests himself to me and he, and he ministers a word of encouragement into my heart. It is when I'm most stretched that I feel the most need to seek God with more intensity. The opposite is also true. Periods of too much comfort produce more complacency and self-sufficiency. Maybe you feel like God has not been speaking to you. Because you are living too comfortably. You're not taking enough risks. Your life is almost too good. Maybe you should take a leap of faith and see if that extra risk doesn't heighten your dependence on God. Are you with me, church? That's a good word. Maybe you need to go out and actually speak truth to your friend's life. Maybe you need to go out and speak the gospel into someone's life. Maybe you need to go out and and lead a cell group. Maybe you need to go out and lead an alpha. Maybe you actually need to start getting involved in ministry. Maybe you need to lead that ministry that God has called you to. It is periods of discomfort when you step out in faith that God shows up. It is pain and suffering and when we're not comfortable that we have the most dependence on Him, that we mostly depend to bend on Him. Last words, there's a pattern in this design of deprivation. 
Deprivation draws out desire. Absence heightens this desire. And the more this desire is heightened, the greater is the satisfaction when it finally comes to be. It is the morning that will know the joy of comfort, as Matthew says. It is the hungry and thirsty that will be satisfied. Longing makes us ask. Emptiness makes us seek. Silence makes us knock. It is the absence of a person that makes us realize how much we love and we need that person. And I just want you to get up off your feet right now. God promises that when we seek Him, we will find Him when we seek Him with all of our hearts. Moments of pain and suffering give us opportunities to seek God more intensely, to deepen our search for Him. Questions and doubts are good because they heighten our urgency, our need to reach out to Him. And so I don't know where you are right now, With this word, I don't know how this word sits in your heart, but I I want to declare this message over you that if you've been seeking, you will find. If you've been, been doubting him, he will show himself up to you. Because God is not a God who once spoke. God is a God who is now speaking. God is not passively act. Uh, searching for a relationship. He is actively seeking relationship with us. And so let's sing this song as we meditate on this word. <laughs>